All right, we're going to jump in. Mark chapter 11. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're growing us as disciples. Thank you that you're speaking to us today, Lord. Wisdom. Thank you, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, that we are strengthened with might in our inner man and that revelation, wisdom, and knowledge is flowing this morning and that the eyes of our heart are opened and enlightened. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I'm so excited about this message. I'm going to, this is really, now let me just kind of give you a caveat. Yes, we're finishing Mark technically today here on the weekends, but I will be preaching on this passage for the next few weeks. And so uh, while we're going to continue to move on in Mark, I'm going to dig really deep here this week, next week, and then the, probably the week after on this topic because when I, be, when, I, when I began to study this, the Lord just blew up in my spirit, just a balloon of revelation. And, and honestly, it's just way too much to do in one session or even two sessions or, or maybe even three sessions. Who knows? But we're going to spend some time on faith that works. Faith that works Faith that works. What is all of Christianity about? It's about faith that works. It's about saving faith. And so we're going to really dig in. This morning I feel that teacher anointing. And how many of you have heard of the fivefold ministry? And, and they use the hand as the example. The thumb is the apostle because he touches all the others. And then the pointer is the, is the prophet because he kind of, you know, kind of guides and confirms. And then you have the middle finger, which is the evangelist because it's the longest and it reaches the furthest. Then you have the ring finger, and that's the pastor because he's married to the church and he's the shepherd of the church. And then you have the, the pinky, who's the teacher, because he can dig way down into the small little crevices. And so this morning, I've got that pinky anointing on me today. Lucian Abrams say, pinky in the brain. <laughs> so we're going to dive into Mark chapter 11. We're going to talk about faith that works. And then we're going to break this down. So let's read this passage together. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. Mark chapter 11. Jared will follow with us on the screen. If you're ready, say amen. amen. As they were passing by in the morning. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw a fig tree withered from its roots. Remember, the last time we preached to you in this series, Jesus had cursed the fig tree and it had dried up. So as they pass by the next day, the next morning, the fig tree is dried up. And Peter said, look, Rabbi, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. How many know the words of Jesus contain power? How many know that the words of Jesus in your mouth contain power? They don't know that. The words of Jesus in your mouth contain power. Can I have an amen besides anyone other than Gail? You're like, I didn't know that. Yes, the words of Jesus, when activated in your mouth, have equal power. And Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. Wow, Jesus, look. The fig tree you cursed is all withered. Jesus looks at them and says, yes, have faith in God. Now look at verse 23. Some of the best premier passages on faith in all of the Bible. There's so much revelation here. Truly I say to you, now Jesus wasn't going to say anything false, but when he said truly, he's saying, listen, pay attention. Not that everything else I've said is a lie, but this happens to be true. He's saying this is a special revelation that we need to give attention to. Truly I say unto you, whoever, somebody say whoever. Somebody say I am a whoever. So I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain. Now, I love this word because they use mountain. And if you study 
ancient Greek language. And if you study the day, the mountains, even through the Old Testament, mountains represented a spiritual battle that equated to an external problem. So he's not necessarily saying that you can go to, to House Mountain over here. How many of you know where House Mountain is? You can just start yelling at it and throwing rocks at it, and the mountain's just going to move. I'm not telling you that there would not be a situation where you could physically see a mountain move. I'm not going to limit that. But I can tell you with a great degree of certainty, this is a metaphor much like we use in our day. How many of you have ever said, I just laughed my head off? Did your head really fall off as you were laughing? Or that scared me to death. Did you really die because you were so afraid? Absolutely not. Or I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. How many of you have ever said that you could eat a horse? Am I the only one? Okay, me and Bree. Thank you. And Bob. Bob actually ate a horse. But <laughs> just like these metaphors that we use today, Jesus used a very common analogy in his day. He used a very common metaphor in his day. Mountains represent challenges. Mountains represent difficulties. Mountains represent spiritual things that are going on that show up on the outside. So he says, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this difficulty or this challenge, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt, does not doubt, but he believes in his heart what he says is going to happen, it will be granted unto him. How many know that's a pretty exciting verse? How many know that's a pretty intriguing verse here because there's a promise that if we speak to our problems and our situations and we do not doubt in our heart, but we believe it will be granted. How many know that's faith that works? How many want to see faith work? I want to see faith work. It will. Somebody say, it will. Say it like you've had some coffee. Say it will. Say it like you've had an extra hour of sleep. Come on, say it will. It will be granted unto him. No excuse for being late to church today. Can I have an amen? Look at Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Look at the next verse here on the screen. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask. And we know according to the book of James, it says, We have not because we ask not. And then even when we ask, we don't receive because we ask amiss. 1 John 5 says, When we ask according to His will. So we understand this is asking through the lens of God's will, which is His word. This is through the lens of asking according to the promises of God. Therefore, I say, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them, and they'll be granted unto you. Believe that you've received them. What is them? The things that you've asked, the things that you've said, the things that you've spoken about to your mountain. When you pray, believe you've received them, the words that you've said. And you will have them. Then he talks about forgiveness. And I love this because if our relationship with God is not healthy, our relationship with people will not be healthy. And if my relationship with people is not healthy, my relationship with God cannot be healthy. Peter wrote to his church in the book of 1 Peter. He said, husbands, honor your wives because if you do not show your wives honor, it hinders your prayers. Can I have an oh me from all the men? So if I'm not in tune with God and honoring my wife, I might as well not even pray because my prayers are hindered. How many know Miss Tara loves that verse and she uses that verse on me? Praise the Lord. So when my relationship with Sabrina is godly and right and we're in fellowship, that opens us up to have fellowship with the Father. He said this in Mark eleven twenty five. 25. Look at the next verse. He says this. He says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. 
Meaning your heart has to be right. This is not just about saying. This is not just about praying. This is about a right heart connecting with the right God in the right way. When you pray, forgive. And it says, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. Now look at verse 26. This verse has confused a lot of people. Notice that it's in brackets. And the reason it's in brackets is because it's in most of the ancient manuscripts, but it's not in all, and it's not in all of the oldest manuscripts. So it is potentially there, but it is also potentially a scribal note, a scribal edit, meaning as these scribes were translating these verses, they knew what Jesus said about forgiveness in Luke, and they knew what Jesus said in this passage and what he said in Matthew and John. And so they added a little uh, amplification here, basically, that says, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. And at first glance, you look at that and go, wow, I thought I didn't work for or earn my salvation. Well, you don't. What this is saying is if your heart is not right where you can love your brother whom you've seen, how can you love God whom you've not seen? It's not that God is withholding salvation from you, but if you live in unforgiveness and if you live with hate in your heart, I personally believe that a true child of God cannot hate. It's my belief. You can be angry and you can really, really dislike. Anybody out there ever really, really disliked anybody? But God is love, and if God is in us, how can we hate? The Bible says, how can you expect to love God whom you've not seen if you can't even love your brother whom you've seen? Somebody go, oh, me. That wasn't even in the notes. That's free. You don't even have to pay tithe on that one. That one was free. That's just there, amen? And so how, we must forgive. We must have our heart right so we can receive all that God has for us. So now let's jump into this. I believe that there's something deep within all of us which desires our faith to work. We want to see results. We want to see God working in our life. We read about mountain-moving faith. That's what this is, mountain-moving faith. We read about Jesus demonstrating these things, and, and, and now he gives insight to his disciples. He says, listen up, boys. This is the last week of my life on the earth. You know, Mark 11 is Passion Week. It's the last week of Jesus on the earth and he says, I'm going to take you into a deep spiritual principle that you will need for the rest of your life and that you will need for the rest of your ministry. Let me define faith for you. If we're going to talk about faith that works, we need to define faith. Check this out. It comes from two Greek words. One is a noun and one is a verb. What is a noun, ladies and gentlemen? Person, place, or thing. So I love that. Faith is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the author of our faith. That's what Hebrew says. Uh, faith is a place. I live in the place of faith. Lillian is recovering right now. This week she's been pushing off a virus, and that's why she's not here today. And she's better. We just want to go full 24 hours without a fever because we, you know, some things you don't want to share. Can I have an amen? And so since I wrote the policy for the nursery that says you can't have a kid in there if they've been sick within the last 24 hours, how many know the pastor has to obey the policy that he wrote for the nursery? And so they're at home recovering. It was so sweet last night. Lillian said, Dad, she said, Dad, I'm feeling better. But she said, if I get sick again, will you get the scriptures back out? Oh, I said, yes, honey, anytime. 
And then I'll take it a step further. You can think we're weird, but I'm telling you, this virus lasted 24 hours, and it probably could have lasted days. But we got the anointing oil out, and we read the scriptures where the disciples went out, and they anointed with oil. We read in the book of James, chapter 5, where it says, If there's anyone sick, call on the elders. They'll anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And I had Noah dip his little finger in oil and put it on her forehead. I had Mommy dip her little finger in oil, put it on her forehead, and, and she was scared. So we were putting oil on everybody. Saying, look, Lillian, this is okay. And then Lillian said, Dad, she said, I'm not feeling good. Will you get the oil back out? And I said, yes, we'll get the scriptures back out. Yes, we'll get the oil back out because we believe God. Can I have an amen? You may think we're weird, but I don't care. <laughs> and so faith is a place. We live in the place of faith. And then it's a thing. It's a thing that God has given us. And it's also a verb. It's, it's from the Greek word pistis and patho. These two words equate faith. Here's what it means. It's a deep conviction of truth based on the character of one who can be relied on. How I many know Jesus can be relied on? And I also taught my children through the scriptures that it's not the oil that brings healing, but it's the faith and it's the symbol. And it's the faith in God that brings it. It's just an act of obedience. Look here, faith is to persuade or induce one by word. Somebody say word. To believe. We've got a whole book in our laps there full of words that induce us to believe. The Greek word faith means to move towards action. It motivates us. Faith is not just something stand by. Faith is action. Faith is a verb. Faith is doing. It means to listen and obey, to yield, to comply with. We talked about our transition and stepping out in faith. And I love the way Rick put that. We, sometimes you got to obey the Lord and leave the results up to Him. Can I have an amen? But faith means to yield and comply with and to obey. It means to trust and have confidence in. How I many of you can have confidence in God? God is able. And you can have confidence in the Lord. So this morning I want to give you here some fundamentals to flowing in faith. I'm just going to give you two and a half, really three, but really two and a half, because I'm not going to fully develop the third point just due to time. But I want to give you fundamentals to flowing in faith. Number one, are you ready? Say amen. Number one, location, location, location. Now, I'm in the real estate business during the week, and they always talk about location, location, location. But on the weekends, I'm in the faith business, and it actually every day, but especially on Sundays. I'm, I'm a distributor of faith here, and so I'm telling you that location, location, location is the key. Mark eleven twenty two said, have faith in. Have faith in God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of the Old Testament. Have faith in. We cannot let the attraction of the world system pull us away from faith in God. We cannot even let a large bank account pull us away from faith in God. Some of you are saying, Pastor, don't worry. I don't have a problem with that one. We cannot even let abilities and talents pull us away from faith in God. It must be in the Lord and in whom we trust. Look at this PowerPoint for life. This is what I want to leave you with today on this point. Notice this PowerPoint. Where we place our faith is much more important than faith itself. This is not so much about faith as it is where we place our faith. How many know people of the world have faith? They get in their car every morning and turn the key. 
That's faith that that car is going to work. That there's an action to a belief. I want to give you an example. I don't mean it crass. I don't mean it rude. I don't mean it to be offensive. But it's very appropriate for this example. The Islamic jihadist who straps a bomb to his back and runs into a crowd and executes a suicide bomb had great faith. Greater faith than most Christians. But their faith was not in the right place. So it's not just faith, it's not just trust, it's not just confidence, it's confidence in God, the God of heaven and the God of earth. When we use this God kind of faith, it, it's, it's got to be in, in the Lord Jesus and not our own abilities or not even faith itself. Now if you look at the word have, somebody say have. It said have faith in God. That word have in the Greek language is in the continual tense meaning over and over, meaning unbreakable, uninterrupted faith. And Jared, I know the slide says it's supposed to have a video, but we don't have it. But I thought of an example. I thought of an illustration. I like to fly RC aircraft, RC airplanes, little drones. Have you all ever heard of drones? Man, I love it. When it's raining outside, I fly them up and down my house, and Noah's got a little remote control car, and I'll chase him with his little car. Man, we just have so much fun. Come to our house. We'll put oil on you, and we'll chase you with a drone. Praise God. Never a dull moment. Hallelujah. But I like to fly these things, and there's something in that industry called signal loss, and it's something that everybody talks about on message boards. And there's a thing called FPV, first-person view, which is where you strap a camera on the drone, or you strap a camera on the airplane and you put on goggles or you watch a monitor and you take off and you're not flying by line of sight. You're not flying by what you see. You're flying by what you see on the goggles or what you see. And it's awesome. I love it. It's incredible. I have that system at home. It's so much fun. So I'll be sitting there on the couch and, or uh, on the porch and flying and, and, and Tara says, I kind of like move with it. She's like, you're not in a video game. And she kind of makes fun of me. But it's awesome. You're watching these goggles and you can't see anything else around. All you see is the camera. But there comes a time in every FPVer's life where the unimaginable happens. And you experience what is called signal loss. And its screen starts flickering. And you're like, oh, no, i got to get back. I've gone too far. I'm extending the range of my transmitter. And before you can turn that thing to get it around, the screen goes black, meaning you have no control. And you flip the goggles off, and you don't even know where you are. Is it over here? Is it over here? And chances are it's too far for you to see. So it is gone. It is a very expensive mistake. Can I have an Amen. And you cry like a baby for hours because you just killed your thing. And there are guys that put little beepers on them so when they crash them, they will be able to find them. I mean, you know, that's not very much faith at all. But it's called signal loss. So the Bible says to have faith. Have continual, uninterrupted faith in God, meaning with, with God and you and being the receiver and God being the transmitter. There should never be a signal loss where you do not clearly see His picture and His image for you in your life. But we experience that as believers. We have signal loss. If you have enough faith to be born again, you have enough faith to move mountains. If you can believe God to save you and wipe away all of your sins, you can believe God for anything. You've believed God for the ultimate miracle, which is salvation. That's the greatest miracle of all. You can believe God for any mountain to be moved. Look at, look at Galatians 2. I want you to show this about the place of our faith. Say this with me as we look at Galatians 2.20. Say, my faith has a place, and it's in God. 
Galatians 2.20. Now stay with me because we're going to dig around here just a little bit. The writer of Galatians, which we believe to be the Apostle Paul, said, I've been crucified with Christ, meaning it's not about me. I don't get my own way. I do not control my life anymore. I do not control my destiny anymore. I'm not in charge. When I was in charge, I was a mess. I see T-shirts that say, God is my co-pilot. Honey, you got it backwards. God better be the pilot. You better be the co-pilot. Can I have an amen? For I've been crucified with Christ, meaning I've denied myself. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. My goal for every person in the house is when I'm talking to Mary, I'm not talking to Mary. I'm talking to the Jesus in Mary. When I'm talking to Tara, I'm not just talking to Tara. I'm talking to the Christ that is in Tara. And our character reflects who we are on the inside. Can I have an amen? It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. How many of you live in the flesh? Do you need to pinch your neighbor? Susan, do you need to pinch your neighbor just to make sure they live in the flesh? We live in this natural body. Catch this now. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. But my faith is in a place. It's in the Son of God. So I'm living a spiritual life in a natural world. I'm living a spiritual life in a natural physical body. And the way I do that is by my faith being in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Now we look at John 1.1 and it says this, In the beginning was the Word. Somebody say the Word. Somebody say Word up. Was that two 80s for you? I'm sorry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning of time, we have the Word of God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God took that Word, and He sent it to us. Psalms 107 and 20, God sent His Word, and He healed them and delivered them. How did God send His Word to earth? It's not in the form of a book. Yes, that's God's Logos word, but God actually sent the revelatory word of God through the person of Jesus. Now hang on with me. Look at John 1.14. God took his word. It was with God. It was God. And then God sent that word to the earth. Now look at John 1.14. It says that word became flesh. Jesus, the very word of God, put on a flesh suit and he came and he dwelt among us and he lived among us. So when I put my faith in the Word, the written Word of God that we have, I'm putting my faith in a person who gives authority to the Word. It's not just words on a page. There is a person named Jesus who is the Word of God who brings authority to that book that I put my trust in. Well, that sounds really complicated. Let me simplify it. When I put my faith in the Word of God, I'm putting my faith in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. So my faith is... In the Word. Now, I put this in my notes this morning. Sitting right over there in this, this morning, I always pray on Sunday mornings for you and I ask the Lord if there's anything else He wants to share. And the Lord gave me this. All ears open. Everybody's attention locked in. Don't miss this. This is going to sound mean, but it's not. This is from the Lord, I believe, directly for us today. God does not respond to our needs. He responds to our faith. Let me clarify. We're talking about faith that works. God doesn't just respond to need. How many know there are needs all over the world and we don't see the hand of God on those needs? 
Well, why isn't God responding to need? God doesn't respond to need, friends. He responds to faith. God does not go where he's needed. He goes where he is invited. That's the way he set it up. That's his system. He gave man free will. Now, here's something else. God does not meet our needs because of the need. How many of you have ever prayed this? Oh, God, don't you know I need this? God, don't you know how bad this situation is and what I need? God, don't you know I need this job? Or God, don't you know I need this grade? Nothing wrong with telling God your needs. Nothing, nothing wrong. I'm not telling you not to tell God your needs. But Scripture does say He knows what we need before we even ask. So here's the word of the Lord for us. God does not meet our needs because of the need. He meets our needs because of our faith. Here's the second thing. God does not meet our needs because of the the greatness of the need. He meets our needs because of how much He loves us. God doesn't meet your needs just because you have a need. God meets your needs, or even just because you have this great faith. God meets your needs because of how much He loves you. Meaning, even having faith in God, we can become prideful and arrogant and think our faith made this thing happen. But the fact is, it's not even that your faith was so great. It's that God took your faith, but He loves you so much, and God meets your needs because of how much He loves you. Isn't that good news? So you got to put your faith in that place that God is meeting my needs because of how much He loves me. Say this with me. Say, God loves me as if. I am the only person in this world to love. The next time that you pray over something and releasing faith, we're talking about faith that works, God is not meeting your needs financially just because you tithe. He's meeting your needs financially because He loves you. God is not meeting your needs of your physical body and and the sickness that you have, not only just because the Word says that He's our healer, but He's meeting your needs because He loves you and He wants to restore you to health. It's all about the love of God. Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. If you can receive faith for salvation, you can receive faith to move any mountain. Isn't that good news? So number one, say it with me. Location, location, location. Put your faith in the love of God. You could also say instead of for God so loved the world, you could say for love so loved the world because God is love. We put our faith in God to meet our needs because of how much He loves us. Isn't that good news? That's a revelation to somebody. All right, number two, let's check this out. The the second fundamental to flowing in faith is that faith can grow and develop. Faith can mature. Faith can advance. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You'll see it on the screen or you can dial it up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want you to see this. Let's look at verse 3. It says this. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged. Say that with me. Because your faith is greatly enlarged. I don't think that that is right, Jared. Look, I think maybe it's it's 2 Thessalonians because that, that is not right. But... Somewhere in Thessalonians it says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, because it's only for, because your faith is greatly enlarged. And and it is Second Thessalonians, thank you. And and the love of each one of you towards one another grows even greater. And I want to camp out here. I want to give Jared just a check second to find that. Second Thessalonians one three. I want you to see this here. I want you to see the scripture. Your faith is greatly enlarged. Somebody say, My faith is growing. Say, My faith 
is enlarging. Now, remember we read in Mark 11 where we talked about forgiving, and if you forgive, then God will forgive you. And when you pray, forgive, and you'll receive from the Lord. Here's why. Notice this here. And the love of each one of you towards one another grows. It abounds. It multiplies. So as faith in God grows, our love for one another grows. Have you ever heard anybody say, if we have a passion for God, we'll have compassion for people? There's the scripture right there. As we have a passion for God, as our faith grows and develops and matures and advances, so does our love for one another. Even as much as we love one another, let's turn it up a notch. Let's turn up our care for one another. Let's turn up our investing in one another because it grows even greater and greater. Can you say amen? Now I want you to tell you this. You have faith. You have faith. If you've received the Lord Jesus, you have faith. Say this with me if you can. Say, I have faith. Say, I have great faith. I have great growing faith. Oh, you don't act like you believe it this morning. If you did, you would say it with a little more gusto. I have faith. I, I don't just have faith or I don't just, just you know, don't, don't say this. Listen, don't say, don't say, I don't know if I can believe that. Oh, I just don't believe that. I don't have faith for that. Never say those words again. Never say, I can't believe that or I don't have faith for that. You have faith. Let me prove it to you. Romans 12, 3. You can believe God to move mountains. You, you sitting right there, a housewife or a CPA or a school teacher or a dentist or a dental assistant or whatever you are, if you're in sales, you can believe God to move mountains. Look at Romans 12, 3. The Bible says that through grace given to me, I say to everyone not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. How many of you can think of somebody right now who could use that scripture? <laughs> now, let me help you here. Scripture doesn't say not to think highly of yourself. It says don't think more highly of yourself. You should think highly of yourself. I think very highly of the way that God has put in me and what He's doing in my life, but there's a point where you can think more high than you want to think. Now, notice this here. Basically, come on down off your high horse. Don't think so. Have sound judgment because God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Keep that up for me, Jared. Here's what it's saying. Don't think God gave you greater faith than He gave Rick. Don't think God gave Rick a better portion of faith than He gave Kaylee. You come in here and you think that God gave you more faith than everybody else. Come on down off your high horse because God gave every man and every woman the measure of faith. Because God is not an unfair, unjust God. God did not give me any more faith than he's given Joseph King. God hasn't given Brooke and Tyler more faith than what, what Bryce has or what Joyce has. So when we see God using people to move mountains, it's not, oh, they must be special. It's all they have learned how to use their faith that God has given them. Listen, I want you to get this. Please, please, please get this. When you see God moving in someone's life, it is not that God loves them more or God has given them more faith. You must not think that. This scripture right here says, don't think of your, your faith more highly than you ought to think because God has given everyone the same opportunity. The problem is we don't know what we have and we don't know how to use it. The difference between my faith working and maybe your faith not working is not the measure of faith that was given to you. It's the fact that I have learned through the years a little bit how to use my faith and mature it and grow it and develop it, and you can too. But if you don't use it, you lose it. How many of you have ever went outside to do some work? Anybody ever worked outside? I was cleaning my garage out yesterday. I felt like such a champion. Crystal's worked outside. One day in her life, she said, but Crystal's worked outside. 
I was cleaning my garage yesterday and organizing all my tools and my shelves, and David would appreciate this. Uh, it took me 30 minutes to find the tool to do a five-minute job. And I said, this is ridiculous. I can't live like this. And so, you know, it takes longer to find what you need than to do the actual task. So I organized all my tools and everything. I woke up this morning, and I realized I was using some muscles that I hadn't used in a while. I realized those calf muscles were, were burning just a little bit, and I was using muscles that I wasn't used to using. In When faith, faith is a muscle, just like a natural muscle's developed, you have a faith muscle. Can I see everybody's muscle? Come on, just symbolically. Come on, show me. I like that, Gail. I like it. Here's what I want to tell you today. You have a faith muscle. At salvation, God dealt to you a measure of faith. And that faith is so you can use your spiritual gifts. And that faith is basically the fuel and your actions are the spark. God gives you the fuel and when you take action on that faith, it's the spark and it creates an ignition. God gave every one of the, in you this morning at the time of salvation enough faith to move mountains. But the problem is we don't know what we have and we don't know what we've been given and we don't have any idea how to use it. That's why we're talking about faith that works we don't choose our spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 says they're for the common good. But that faith is so you can use those spiritual gifts for the body. Look at this quote from Dr. Bob Utley. I want you to see this. Look at this quote that I believe you'll see on the screen. I'm going to read it here because that's white and we can't really read it. But it says this, The gifts of the Spirit are not merit badges. Somebody say, uh-oh. They're not marriage badges which exalt the individual, but they are servant towels so that each believer may serve the body of Christ in the church. Dr. Bob Utley is a wonderful theologian that I study after. This is what he says. He says, spiritual gifts, when you're using your faith and it's mountain-moving faith and you're operating in your spiritual gifts, it's not a merit badge to say, hey, look at me. It's a servant towel to bless and infuse the blessings of the Lord into the body of Christ, which is His church. So the measure of faith has been given to every believer and they're not different measures with God. God didn't decide to give Jay more faith than he gave Robin. Now through wisdom and revelation, you learn how to use that faith. I mean, I can give, I can give Kelly a knife and I can give Tyler the exact same knife and I can give them a cutting board and some vegetables and having you know, the one who knows how to correctly use the knife, it will outlast the one who does not. If you're slamming it down on the cutting board and you keep hitting the edges and edges and you keep dulling that, the same knife, same cutting board, same fruit. Tyler's knife, if he knows how to use it, is going to last longer than if Kelly doesn't know how to use a knife. But how many know, I bet that's reversed. I bet Kelly knows how to use a knife. We don't know about Tyler. Maybe he does. Same knife, same vegetable, same cutting board, but the one who knows how to use it, it will produce better results. So what are we talking about today, ladies and gentlemen? I'm going to wrap this up in just a minute. We're talking about faith that works. We're talking about God has given Sabrina on the inside of her mountain-moving faith. You can say to the difficulty with authority in the name of Jesus, and you can see results in your faith. Is this one of those name it and claim it and blab it and grab it deals? You know what? If it's in the Word and I say it and it happens, then I'll, I'll blab it and grab it all day long. I know there's the pendulum has swung as far as our confession and the words we say and confession cop and, you know, and all that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not over here, and I'm not over here either where we don't think our words have any importance. But I'm telling you, Jesus said you can say to the mountain. 
He didn't say you can think really hard and hope and wish that this mountain would go away. He said you could speak. You could activate your faith by speaking. Jesus said the abundance of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think it's time the children of God get the word of God in their heart so they can begin to speak the word of God to their situations. I think it's high time as the people of God we learn how to activate and use our faith. Not It's not our own faith. It's not because we're special. But God loves us and he wants us to have mountain moving faith. Can I have an amen? Now I'm passionate about this because it is, it is a key that Jesus has given us to make a difference. I'm going to shock you here. Ready? How many of you heard of Peter in the Bible? Peter's a great man of God. How many have heard of John in the Bible? The Apostle John wrote Revelation. How many of you in, in Gospel of John, and how many of you think that those guys had awesome faith? You remember Peter? You all remember Peter? Am I doing a good job teaching the Bible if they remember Peter? You know Peter walked by and his shadow healed people? You know the Bible says Peter walked by and his shadow healed people. How many think that's awesome faith? How many think that's faith that works? How many think that could never, ever happen to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't have the faith like Peter and John. Wrong. 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 Look at this scripture here. Go to the next scripture, Jared. I think it's 2 Peter 1. Hopefully this one's right. Simon Peter said, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Simon Peter. Who is this? Peter. Whose shadow healed people? Peter. Who in Acts chapter 3 walked to the lame man, the beggar, and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Who was that? That was Peter. Who's writing this? His name is Peter. Listen what Peter said. He said, I am not special. God has not given me special faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. Look what Peter said. He said in 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, he said to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. I'm ready to see housewives move mountains. I'm ready to see salespeople speak to tumors and cancer and have it dry up and fall off instantly in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. I'm ready to see school teachers see financial miracles come into situations and cities and families be changed because of the word of the Lord. Peter said, to those of you who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? It is God's gift to me so I can stand in his presence. Because of the righteousness with God, I am now right with God. I now have the right to stand with God because of Jesus. So my faith is not on my own abilities. It's not on my own merit. It's not on my own goodness or my own bank account or my own connections. My faith is based on what Jesus has done because he loved me. Now it's because of the righteousness of God. It's not because of my righteousness. You have the same Faith as Peter and John. Our faith is sufficient. The problem is we're experiencing the results of our minds not being renewed. If you read Romans 12, 1 and 2, it talks about renewing your mind. Romans 12, 3 says we've been given a measure of faith. We must renew our minds that we've been given a measure of faith from the Lord. I won't read it for time's sake, but Romans 4, you don't have to pull it up. 
talks about Abraham was strong in his faith. He was old. He was dead physically as far as being able to reproduce, but yet he had strong faith in God. So what weakens our faith as we close with this? What, what causes our faith to become weak? Looking at our natural situations, you have the same faith available to you as Peter and John had. You have mountain-moving faith on the inside of you. You have the very Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, the same resurrection power that caused Jesus to rise up and become alive when He was dead for three days. That same power lives in you as a child of God. You have mountain-moving faith on the inside of you. We've just got to learn how to activate it and let it work and, and energize that muscle for the glory of God. Notice this here, looking at our natural situations. We get fearful. Listen, I'm going to give you a revelation. This is good. Somebody say, I'm listening. Fear is believing the lies and the exaggerations of the devil. Faith is believing the promises of God. It's that simple. Fear is believing the lies and the exaggerations of the enemy that he speaks into you, that situations speak into you. Faith is just believing God's promises instead of fear. How many know the news media can weaken our faith? I almost don't listen to the news anymore. Because every time I listen to the news, I think we're about to get blown up by North Korea. How many know that can weaken our faith? Ladies and gentlemen, a legitimate bad report from the doctor is devastating. I understand it, but it can weaken our faith. If we take hold of it and we own it, this, this summer in my business was very different. Usually I'm, I'm in strictly sales and strictly commission. And usually we make uh, most of our money between March and really August, September. And then you kind of coast October, November up and through the months. And, and we, even my company, my entire company, went a really odd summer. It just, it's almost like after June, it's like it just dried up. It's just very, very, very scary from a standpoint where... You know, you're strictly commissioned. And, and, and I began to fight a fight in my, my, my mind. I began to sense a spiritual battle coming on me saying, you're going to lose everything you have. This is what the enemy was saying. You're going to file bankruptcy and lose everything you have. And I began to, in my mind, see myself going and asking my family, hey, it's been kind of a slow summer. Can you... I began to see that garbage in my mind. Satan was coming to me and he was putting a lie in my heart. It was a spiritual attack like I would say I've never been under before. You've got all these missionaries you support. You probably ought to cut those off because you've, you, you don't have a, a pipeline that will sustain you through the winter. Everybody knows your business slows down in the winter. Everybody knows nobody buys real estate in the winter. Why don't you get online and just cancel that monthly commitment? I, I begin to, in my mind, I begin to see that. And I realize, I said, devil, I am not going there. I am not going there. I am the I'm a child of the Lord, and I am not going to own that. I'm not going to take that. I got with Rick and Michael, and I said, guys, this is what's going on. I want us to pray and agree. Right now, in my pipeline, going into winter, I probably have as many, if not more, loans for the next quarter than anybody else in my company. Come on, can we give God thanks? And I got to the point where I was saying, but Lord, you know I, I, I give, and you know I serve, and God, you know I'm so talented at this. 
I'm such a good at my job. I've done this for 10 years, Lord. You know, I can pull myself out of this. I'll work harder and extra hours. And If God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. Here's what I'm telling you. I had an opportunity to own that. And for the first time in my walk with God, I realized what it is like when the fiery darts of the enemy come into you and you have a chance, you have a choice. I'm going to take that and I'm going to own it or I'm going to say, no, thank you. When the doctor says, George, you have cancer, you can own it or you can say, devil, no, thank you. When you get a bad report from the doctor, you can own it and say, woe is is me. Go ahead and start making funeral plans. Or you can say, by his stripes, I am healed. I will live and not die, and I will declare the works of the Lord. You can say, devil, no, thank you. You have to go pick on somebody else because faith works. I'm not saying deny what the doctor is saying. We love doctors. Susan is in medicine. Sabrina is in medicine. We love doctors. Thank God for them. And sickness may have legitimately come. Hear this, hear this. Sickness may have legitimately come, but it doesn't have to stay financial problems had legitimately come. My pipeline was just, it was almost non-existent going into winter, which is scary. That problem was there, but it doesn't have to stay. And it wasn't because I'm some great man of faith. It's God loves me and He loves my kids and He loves my family. And I've learned over the years, how, and, and I really, I had a decision to make. I remember laying in bed and I had a decision to make. Am I going to accept this? And I believe if I would have taken that and owned that, I believe that I'd be calling George next week and asking him for money. Or Bob, I mean. I don't know. Bob's a little more generous than George. I don't know. No. <laughs> I'm teasing. George is great. I had a choice to own it or say no thank you. Here's what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. When we have a low bank account, when we have a continued string, I was really teasing George. George is very generous. When we have a continued string of difficulty and challenges, it can weaken our faith. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about faith that works. Look at point three. I'm not going to get into it. I just want you to see it. I just want to whet your appetite because you've got to come back next week and the week after. Faith on the inside must be moved to the outside. I'm going to teach you how to do that. I'm going to teach you how to activate what's in, what God's doing in your life so you can begin to see results. Amen? Say this to me. Say, my faith can work. Say, my faith can work like Peter and John. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Does this help anybody today? Man, I hope it helped you. It's very therapeutic for me. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this message this morning. Thank you for your word that you cause it to grow and bear much fruit. And I bind every devil that would come and steal it. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us faith that would work, active faith, in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye.